0: Welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with HR leaders from around the world.
1: It's one thing to be responsible for supporting the global HR operational needs of a sizable organization. It's quite another to do it well in today's dynamic business environment. Global consistency and standards ensure efficiency and scale and local flexibility drives agility and growth. Now, more than ever, the time is right for HR to become a key strategic force in major corporations. I'm here with Jamie Marchand, Vice President of HR Operations at Powell Corporation, to discuss high-impact HR. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. And, Jamie, would it be, uh, be okay to take us through a little bit about yourself and uh, your role at Powell Corporation?
0: Yeah, of course. So, my current role at Powell is Vice President of HR Operations, as you mentioned. Uh, Powell Corporation itself is a global leader in high-tech filtration, separation, and purification solutions. And like many global organizations, Paul had been very interested in modernizing and streamlining their service delivery models in HR. And so I was brought in to help lead those efforts to essentially help build that capability from the bottom up. On a more personal level, I've been doing work in the HR transformation and operations space for quite a while now, and I really think it's fascinating work. Being on the forefront of this major shift, as you mentioned, and what businesses expect from their HR functions has been a very, very rich experience. And leading the type of large-scale change programs that come with it has been great because of how it challenges you across so many different domains, whether it's expertise in HR, in management, technology, shared services, even Six Sigma and Lean, along with what is normally required in terms of the business acumen and diplomatic skills of a regular HR professional. It's been great. Mm
1: So, I mean, throughout your your career and your extensive experience in this space, what would you say are some of the the biggest challenges in creating global HR standards and platforms that are still flexible enough for local implementation?
0: No, creating and striking that balance is one of the key enablers, honestly, and one of the key uh, definitions of success in this space. In that context, compliance requirements usually come to mind first as the primary hurdle that one needs to overcome. But the good news there, it's also important to remember that most, if not all, large technology vendors that we use in this space will have met many of those requirements for you already. Compliance is something of the price of admission to selling their products in a given market, especially for multinational clients. So if at first we can assume that most compliance concerns can be met, and honestly, it's not always easy, but it does get done, I would argue the biggest challenge is ultimately cultural. So organizations who already run their HR functions like a business who have a habit of making differential investments, of measuring what works and what doesn't, I think will have the easiest time. Because the trick is to adopt a mindset of defaulting to standard, of adopting a common way of doing things in many areas, and tying exceptions to those to very clear business needs that therefore everyone can align to. So in that way, you make the business as ultimately the final arbiter of this discussion of global versus local. To make it in practical terms, it means those that would argue for a deviation from a global standard would make their case in the right context. Will this exception sell more product or will it increase retention or engagement? It really comes down to what's valued by management in the business model you're working with. So if your company is a decentralized place with various lines of business that don't really intersect, or if it's a single P&L that prizes the efficiency gains of shared services, each of those models will have a different outcome, I think, in the straight-char services space. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's really the fit that matters the most. So if you've met local compliance needs, most cultural hurdles to adoption may still remain. You can always add steps or data fields to a process to accommodate a local reporting requirement, But it really is hard sometimes for your local teams, especially in HR, to see some work done in a different way, especially if the norms of their own work environment don't clearly align with the goals of your transformation project. So what really helps often is to have an overarching message of how these processes will benefit the organization as a whole. And when discussing with local teams, you'd really like them ideally to weigh the changes in terms of not their personal gains or losses in their market, but rather in terms of how the whole company will perform better as a result. And I think that's when buy-in really starts to happen.
1: Very interesting. I mean, so uh, from a local perspective, then, how, how, is it, how important is it to empower your, the local teams to, to actually innovate and customize global standards and programs?
0: Well, again, it really depends mostly on what you're trying to achieve. So the content mm-hmm. matters most. Uh, To give you an example, if a central focus is on cost reduction in the area of, let's say, workforce administration, I think that should require relatively little customization. But if your effort is at solving more complex talent challenges, such as engagement programs in Western Europe or developing first-line management in China, say, those require a framework that allows local teams to innovate and adapt much more where needed. And that can range itself in practical terms from simply providing a toolkit To providing maybe a more structured menu-like list of options for local teams to choose from. In making those determinations, the most important thing is for HR really to know their clients. So just as how important it is for commercial teams to know their customers, I think HR really needs to understand what matters to those different countries and groups of employees who will be served by these programs. So the framework ultimately can be the same. Once your local teams are aligned to that kind of overarching message I mentioned earlier, um, it really means dealing head-on with local concerns. Because put yourself in their shoes. If you think about it, adopting a global process or program versus a local one, it's a bit like trading in a custom-made suit for something off the rack, right? No, a global fun, yeah. process is not going to be a perfect fit by definition. But the central theme is to be the, com- yeah, the company should only spend money creating variability where it makes a business difference. So if there are good grounds in business terms for creating some space for that variability, uh, why not? None of us should argue with making and selling more product. It's what we're really here, all here for.
1: So, would you say that, that you know it's important, and I guess sort of how important is it to get the balance right between HR generalists and specialists in the HR operations team?
0: You know, to be honest, I wonder sometimes that that distinction is always helpful with an HR. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the experience that sometimes this idea takes hold that a generalist can't do a specialist role, or vice versa. You know, as if they were in different disciplines, which isn't the case, as we know. Look, in HR operations, personally, I look for talent who have a strong desire to learn, who aren't afraid to fail and try new things, and who understand both the business and the business of HR. Almost anyone, I believe, is going to have a somewhat steep learning curve in terms of the content coming into the team. So I feel we need to be prepared for that, regardless of where we're sourcing the talent from. In HR operations you definitely need certain specialist roles particularly technologists those who support you know the services infrastructure things like that but in an ideal scenario HR operations should be seen as a stepping stone in the development of today's HR practitioner you know managing processes and technology used to be something largely outside the discipline of HR but for today and I guess even more so tomorrow you know the HR professional needs an equal grounding not just in the traditional relationship-oriented and management skills, but good understanding of process governance, data, working with big data analytics, even vendor management. And I think ops is a great funnel to both bring in new talent into HR as well as rotate people through for development. So I keep an open mind. Being a very documented environment, a good HROps shop, I think, should be able to handle that mission on behalf of the larger function. Yeah, I
1: was seeing a lot of change in the market and transformation that's kind of driving the change within HROps and, and shared services. And as you discuss, obviously, also at a local level, in your opinion, what what does the future of HR operations and shared services look like?
0: Yeah, now that's a very interesting and exciting question, actually, because the rapid change we've been seeing uh, really isn't going to stop. If anything, I think it's going to accelerate. Now, I know that's a bit of a, a common perception, but let's, you know, maybe unpack a little bit as to why I think that's really true in the HR space. One driver of change is that HR will, to a certain extent, follow, I think, the broader technology curve. So in the near term, I think almost all technology will end up being sold as a service you know, from the cloud, which brings a much lower TCO or overall cost you know, to the lifecycle management of HR processes and systems. Once you take out large-scale implementations and the cost of upgrades, the unique infrastructure needs, even developing and keeping all those specialist skills in-house to manage it all, I don't think many corporations are going to pass up the opportunity there. So, and those that adopt the cloud, myself included, seem to be fairly happy with it. But it's in the medium term that it gets even more interesting because cognitive technologies are emerging that could have a huge impact on HR in a few really different ways. So the first well, under- relatively well understood one is around big data. What can we learn about our workforce, right, using these enhanced capabilities to collect and mine employee data? And no doubt that's being worked on at length, right, by many different players. Absolutely, yeah. But even more interesting is the impact of cognitive tech on the workforce itself. I mean, think about it. How do you manage a workforce of robots? Or more likely, obviously, <laughs> the interactions between people and cognitive machines. You know, mm-hmm. what does OD or organizational design mean in an environment like that? I mean, it's going to be a fascinating change for HR. I'm kind of looking forward to that. So, but that's, even if that's just the technology impact, there's the equally big driver of change in terms of what service delivery really has evolved to in the broader economy. And that reinforces the use of self-service and shared services type support. And this isn't unique to HR. This is what's been impacting professions everywhere from taxi drivers to accountants. And I don't think we're in any exception here. So, right, think about it in the HR context you know, inside many large companies, there was this idea of the concierge service from HR, where whatever people-oriented challenge you had, you had a live person there to help you walk work through it. I think that's, that's been, as we've seen, increasingly seen as an expensive, high-touch model of customer care, best reserved, again, only for those areas with the highest business impact. And for the rest, though, why can't HR provide support the way Uber does for taxis or TurboTax does, at least in the United States, you know, for nice. annual tax filings? Yeah, I personally use both of those services, and I've never spoken to anyone who works for, for either company. So just generally, a broader awareness of how these service models work across the economy changes the expectations of our own employees, and it impacts HR as a result, just like many other professions. And since adopting them can significantly lower expenses, I expect that trend to continue. I mean, it's a fascinating subject to discuss, but we could go yeah, on, I'm sure. But I- the most important point is that the world of HR operations and shared services, I think, will be an exciting one for years to come. Wonderful. Yes.
1: Thank, thank you very much, Jamie. That's, uh, that was Jamie Marchand, Vice President of HR Operations at Paul Corporation, discussing high impact HR.
0: For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.